Hello, and welcome to the Conscious Hoofbeat Podcast. This is a podcast that explores the interconnectedness of our health and the health of our horses through self-care, mindfulness, and personal development, along with a little equine wisdom and wellness. I am your host, Dr. Pamela Maynard. I'm a published author and researcher, equine body worker, energy facilitator, and I am passionate about deepening our connection with horses. If you want a more meaningful relationship with your horse, it starts within yourself. So don't forget to go to ConsciousHoofBeat.com and sign up for our exclusive email list and start your inner journey today. Today, I have invited licensed practicing counselor from Hal, Michigan, Kimberly Cardisha, to talk to us about emotional rehabilitation for horses. Kim started her hidden promise because of what she was witnessing in her counseling clients and riding students. Her students started disclosing information and conversations much deeper and quicker than her counseling clients. Interestingly enough, the riding students were also reporting changes in their lives outside of the riding arena as a result of their interaction with the horses. In addition, Kim noticed how many riders were facing some type of apprehension, fear, or even traumatic reaction around the horses. She made it her mission to help with lack of confidence and all of its fallout. Basically, Kim moved her counseling practice to the barn. Kim is a learning enthusiast. She can never learn enough. She investigated, researched, and experimented with how the bond between horses and humans can help heal and enrich both species. And on her quest to figure out how to help riders gain confidence, she studied many therapeutic areas and techniques. This education and training included trauma and loss, anxiety and depression, positive psychology, the workings of the subconscious mind, leadership, and brain spotting. In addition, Kim has had the privilege of riding with some fabulous professional horse trainers, including Sue Sherry, Sue Hughes, Eric Heberman, Sally Swift, Martina, Jen, Brian Newbert, Diane Sept, Joel Wolter, and Phil Oaks. This professional and passionate path has led Kim to working with not only her own clients, but also other equine-facilitated professionals. Welcome, Kim. Thank you for joining me today. So, Pamela, thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to talk to you. I am super excited about this. This is a conversation that I, I've had a lot with some of my horse girlfriends, and it's, it's hard to, um, I think, sometimes talk about and put it out there to some people because, you know, we believe that horse, horses are sentient beings and have emotions, but some people may argue this because, you know, horses don't have the same emotions as humans and they aren't able to communicate and express emotions the same way humans do. Uh, also, I feel like people believe that being emotional is a bad thing. Would you agree? Would I agree that being emotional is a bad thing? That some people think it is. Oh, right? yes, like, absolutely. Emotions yeah. kind of get a bad rap, right? So like we, as a result of the negative side of emotions, horses and people end up developing defenses to protect themselves. And then they have like, you know, repressed emotions, they ignore them. And I think they're devalued. So 
when oh, these, yeah. these these emotions aren't released the body holds on to them and then eventually these emotions manifest into you know physical or emotional pain right yes absolutely and i think we miss out on the value of our emotions as a guidance system if we're so concerned with either having the wrong emotion or any emotion at all sometimes. Right. And yeah, so if we, um, an emotion that we have will last 90 seconds if it isn't perpetuated by thought. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, we do have an emotion, like we get scared of something, we can step back into the observer role and notice, okay, this is upsetting me. So instead of beating myself up about being scared when I feel like I shouldn't be, or somehow interpreting the information as a negative, I can continue that process, make my fear bigger. And then if I'm at the same time trying to squash it down, like you mentioned, I, not only am I going to take my own inner journey off course, I can also develop some physical symptoms because I'm not letting the natural flow of what my body's trying to tell me go through. Yeah, this is why I wanted to have you on and talk about this because I felt like you can really share with us these positive attributes of emotions or we could even say the positive attributes of negative emotions if people still want to believe everything's negative right can you speak to that a little more what we can learn from our emotions the positive side of it well absolutely and one of the things i think is useful to keep in mind is a lot of times especially as women we're taught that you're not supposed to be angry um whether it's we are specifically told or it's insinuated that we're not supposed to be angry because then, you know, we're, I don't want to swear on your podcast, but you know, we're, you can swear on my podcast. <laughs> we're a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I don't think there's a, I don't think there's an emoji for that. So you have to say it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But um, so when we get ang angry, and of course it can be on a continuum all the way from a little bit irritated or frustrated to rage. And what it is, is it's in reaction to something else. We either got hurt or scared or insulted, you know, something happened and anger is letting us know, okay, this is a boundary. We need an edge here. This either isn't a safe place. It's not a healthy place. Um, it, it's not going to get me energetically and emotionally where I really want and need to be. And so if we use that information, if something is irritating us and we just kind of soften, um, soften into the emotion instead of trying to either disregard it or repress it or ignore it, it will help us be able to tune more into our authentic essence and get ourselves back into the alignment that we need. And, sure. you know, some, yeah, sometimes people look at sadness as a negative emotion too, because it's not real fun to experience. And I think in general, our society doesn't give grief 
the time and space that it needs or the acknowledgement. Because any time that we let go of something as we're reaching for something new, it could be leaving a job that you hate and entering into a new one. You're still going to go through a grieving process because you're letting go of something. It right. could be real quick cycling. It could be, you know, 10 seconds, but it, it still happens. And it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong or that, you know, your, your life can't continue and be better because oftentimes those that we grieve, we deeply miss, but there, there's always something to reach forward to in the future when we're ready, if we let that grief flow through us. Right. And so when we're talking about like horses and you know animals in general, because we know elephants grieve, people don't always acknowledge that in horses, I believe. And they don't, they don't believe that they will actually grieve too. And, and I feel like that's a good segue for kind of the next thing I wanted you to talk about, because you're so good at speaking to this is about holding the space for this emotional healing, right? So our horses have these emotions, right? That some people call negative. And it's really just their, their way of trying to communicate with us, isn't it? And that's how I look at it. Oh, yes, I, I definitely see it that way. And I completely agree that they have some type of feeling experience. I mean, I don't, I don't really get caught up in trying to name it or anything because many of us, we know they have them because we witness it. And of course, to our horses as prey animals, feeling secure and safe is the highest priority. Otherwise they're going to be somebody's lunch. Right. And, and so um, because oftentimes we ask them to do things where they don't feel real safe. And sometimes with some training methods or trainers, they might have been pressured or almost bullied into doing something that, that can take a toll on them. Some horses will escalate in shy rear buck takeoff. Other horses shut down and go inward. And so as I see it, holding space for our horses involves giving them the time and a little bit of the physical space too, but mostly the space of time and taking as much pressure off of them as we can so that they can kind of process through whatever tension they have to, um, I'd like to call it honoring our request. So say I want to get a horse on a trailer and we all know that trailer loading horses can be quite a cluster. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of my horses, um, I had the old owners bring her to the farm because I had a feeling it wouldn't be easy to get her on a trailer. And so after she had settled in, I decided all right, let's, let's start on this before we ever have to go anywhere so that we can do it in the time and space that makes it a non-pressure situation. Right. And so, yeah, what I noticed was um, I was bringing her in from the field and as soon as she saw the trailer, her body tightened and stiffened. 
And so in this example, holding space, I just, um, you, you know, like I was leading her and she stopped. And so I don't know, there was like maybe eight, eight feet between us, maybe six. And I just paused. I tried best that I could to stay grounded, um, to really calm my energy so that she could still energetically feel that I was letting her know things were calm and safe. And then I just waited. And gradually, you know, her body began to soften a little, her head lowered a little bit, she licked and chewed. So by just kind of pausing and not putting any more pressure on her, I feel like that was holding the space so that she could release some of the tension that she had about what I was asking her to do or just asking her to be around a trailer. Sure, sure. So a lot of it has to do with energy, doesn't it? You know, I really believe that it does because our, our emotions are energy. And that's how horses communicate with, with each other. You know, like if you see um, a herd of horses kind of spread out in a pasture grazing, if one of them lifts their head and looks at something, oftentimes the other horses will respond in a similar fashion. Even if they're not facing that horse, they can't really see what that horse did, but I think they, they feel it. So, you know, our intentions and our thoughts hold a lot of weight, so to speak, when we're interacting with our horses. Yeah, I know Deepak Chopra teaches that you know, everything is energy, and it really is if you stop and think about it, but horses are just such energetic beings, aren't they? And why, that's why it's so important for us to learn to, to hold that energetic space for them and, and learn to... Um, read them and know what they need right sometimes we have to lower our energy sometimes we have to raise our energy sometimes we just have to hold it where it's at right yes absolutely and all of that depends of course on how our horses respond or react to what we ask them to do sure sure I would love, I know you do a, a lot of energetic rehab work and it, you include attunement with it. And I, I feel like, I'd love if we can speak to that because I don't feel like attunement is talked about enough. What it, can, can you go into that and share a little bit what this energetic rehab is for your, your work and how you include attunement with it? Sure. And ah. There's, there are some really cool definitions of attunement. And of course, I didn't think to write any of them down because I didn't know. <laughs> but it's really about energetically aligning yourself with another. And so when, when we are attuned with our horses, we're, in, you know, you kind of call it, we're like on the same wavelength we're we're communicating in that energetic flow and we can each drop our guard a little bit so we're more connected and um you know i feel like the best way to 
move towards attunement with our horses is by holding that space and watching, observing their body language. And I don't just mean the big things because oftentimes we're not taught to look at all those little tiny things. Like if the muscles in their muzzle are rippling or how their eyes are blinking. And if we can see their muscles tightening or softening. And of course, we, we want the horses to be able to feel safe in our presence. So we are going for that softening or that, um, that opening where they really allow our energy in and offer their energy to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's why I, I feel like I, I preach this too much, but it's so important for us to learn to be present, right? Present with ourselves so that when we show up for the horses and we're in their space, that we can be present with them. And that's when we start to notice those little subtle things, you know, like I, as a body worker and an energy facilitator, you know, like when I'm doing energy work or cranial sacral or anything, and these horses have, you know, some of these horses have been holding onto these emotions for their entire life, right? And the, mm-hmm. the smallest little release is such a huge thing for them. But if you're not present and paying attention and holding the space for that, no one would notice. So people who show up to the barn, right? And they got their earbuds on and the music's playing or they're yakking on their phone and they're just going through the motions and knocking the dirt off and throwing the saddle on and just want to go for a ride. They're not, that situation is not conducive to noticing the subtleties, is it? Oh, it, it definitely isn't. And I, I think that a lot of times, depending on how we were educated, because, you know, quite a few years ago, most of how you could be educated around horses was um, dependent on them complying with whatever you told them to do. Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned at the beginning, some people don't even believe that horses have emotions or feelings. So it's almost like they were, or we were at times, because I, I had some education in that vein too, where don't let your horse get away with something and you have to show them you're the leader, but they really mean you have to show them you're the boss or the dictator. And so I think, I like to think, because I completely believe that most of, almost all of us that get into horses do so because we just love them. Yeah. But somewhere along the line, we got taught that well, horses don't love you back. And if you really want to be good for your horse, you have to be this kind of tough dictator. Mm-hmm. And so then some people, I think, tune out a little bit because that's what they've been taught. And I completely agree that, yeah, you there's so much that you miss out on because we end up getting caught in our own swirl sometimes. Oh, I love that. We get caught in our own swirl. Ooh, ooh, yeah. A lot. I had to interrupt you and reiterate that. That's good stuff, Kim. Caught in our own swirl. Take. Let's take a moment, listeners, and take that in. Yeah, I've been there, done that. Right. I. I totally get that. Yeah. Well, and 
it's so human of us. And that's why, um, you know, I started calling what I do inner journey horsemanship. Because mm -hmm. in order to really let go of all of all of the things that I was taught that didn't align with me authentically and didn't um, line up to get me where I wanted to be and have the relationship and partnership I wanted with my horse, I had to let a lot of things go. And, you know, for me as somebody that really, really wants to learn and you know, I have a little bit of people pleasing in me and I want people to like me. So they'll teach me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it was, it was my own inner journey to say, okay, wait a minute. You know, fortunately I had a horse that was just like, screw all this crap. I'm not doing this. And I chose him and I chose to completely take all the pressure off to listen, not just with my ears, of course, but to listen to his body language, his energy, and let him tell me what he needed basically. Mm -hmm. the the inner journey what I had to do to be brave enough to pretty much go rogue you know and risk being a ridicule and um, because you know I do completely speaking at expos and things I've had a lot of people that um, I, I know they they have opinions of me that I'm not very good with horses because I kind of, you know, let my horses run the show or I, I back off and, and do what, what they need. I, I, well, I can't even put words to it, but you know, people leave the demonstration and, um, because you're not doing the stereotypical cowboy horse trainer, what they know, right? People, right. If people want to be in their comfort zone and, and because, they don't want to go home and be like, oh, crap, I have to do my own inner work now to get my horse to, to do things differently. It's, it's a lot of work, right? Doing the inner work to show up for yourself and show up for your horse, that's a lot of work and it's uncomfortable. And so I feel like when you're sharing that people walk away, they're not walking away from you, Kim. They're walking away from themselves because the, we know the horses are our mirrors, right? Mm -hmm. And they don't want to look at themselves in the mirror. Yes. And, you know, you are absolutely right. And I know that in my head and I'm starting now to, to be more okay with it. But, you know, when you're, <laughs> when I, I will completely own it. When I was, you know, <laughs> doing the demonstrations and people are leaving, I really had to breathe into, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep going for not only the people that stayed, but most importantly to me, I'm going to keep going for my horse and for other horses out there that we can, we can reach the people that are ready. Yes. Yes. You're showing up, right? You're showing up and yeah. that's all we can do. And, and I always look at it as if like one person, right? If one person gets something out of it and goes home and, and learns to hold the space for their horse or whatever that looks like, then like I've done my job. I've, 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 I can die tomorrow because I've helped that one horse type of thing. Yes. I kind of got chills when you said that. So absolutely. Mm. I, I resonate so much with that. It's, it's kind of what keeps us going and doing things like having this conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, so I'm sure you're familiar with Warwick Schiller, the 
the mm-hmm. Australian trainer. He, he has a huge following and rightfully so he's been around for a long time. And, and on his Facebook group recently, there was, you know, people complaining and they're calling it woo. There's too much woo. And he, you know, and I do not consider your inner work woo woo. <laughs> like woo woo is like, yeah, that can, that's a whole nother topic. If y'all think inner work is woo woo, y'all don't know what woo woo is, but he, <laughs> I really have to honor him and acknowledge him for being like, look, you know, you have this route and you have this route. And if this woo quote unquote route doesn't work for you, then you could just go this other route. But I did a podcast a while back on like my threefold process, you know, for, for doing horses and being with horses is it's not a one-sided thing. You have to have the horse work, you have to have the people work, and then you have to put it together. And if, if you, it's like a, you know, I, I, when I do my, my talks on, on health, like health is a three-legged stool. You have physical, emotional that we're talking about and chemical and when you don't have one leg of the stool that's balanced the stool tips over right and Mm -hmm. it's it's the same with this like we have to we we have to have the emotional there's the physical that's the horse training part right the old mindset what we know and then we have the emotional leg and then i call it chemical because that's a whole nother topic but um you know we have to have it we have to have all legs of the stool or it doesn't balance. And, and to me, you have to have that balance to have the optimum health, the optimal relationship, right? And so I guess people, not everybody wants that. Not everybody wants to have that optimal relationship or the optimal healthy horse because it's a lot of work. Right. And I think somewhere they, they either don't believe that it really will happen um or or that they'll get through the work it's ongoing I think people think that oh I'm supposed to like do this six-week program and do my inner work and then it's done and it's something you have to do the rest of your life on a daily basis (laughs) and it's not you know some days are better than others i'm not gonna lie some days i'm real good about showing up for myself and my horse and Mm -hmm. meditating and journaling and being present and there's other days i'm not but i'm always aware of it right i'm like oh today was not not so good of a day i'm aware of that so that next time i have that awareness so i can try to do a little better right Yeah. And you know what I think is the best part, Pamela, is as we develop um, the compassionate leadership for our horses, where we invite them and we hold space until they're ready to to accept our invitations. And if we have to support or guide or help them release tension until they can do that, we're setting ourselves up with the neural pathways to do that leading from the gentle strength, the compassion, it will start to overflow into ourselves. Now, my, my own experience is, and actually with other people that I work with too, is it's a little bit harder to be compassionate with myself than it is with my horses. But they've let me know through their tension, their release, their... Um, their communication that the more I embody what I want from them, the more willing they are to trust me. Yeah. 
And so to me, because, you know, for some reason, I just am a lifer on this journey of self growth. (laughs) It's so much more meaningful, worthwhile, and it makes the bumps less catastrophic when I'm doing it with the inspiration of being better for my horses. Yeah, beautiful. Well said. <laughs> so I guess the next thing I want to talk about is, you know, we, we talk about the, the, the inner work for ourselves, but there are ways to help horses release these trapped emotions. And, you know, I, I use the motion code process. I do a lot of EFT tapping. There's a lot of great oils, you know, essential oils and blends for emotions and homeopathics are fabulous for it. Um, can you share with us what you do within your work for releasing emotions? Sure. And I do some of what you do also. I, I mean, I do the, um, I don't know if it's emotion code or body code with the magnets and, um, mm-hmm. and tapping. I also, um, I've been Reiki trained and probably like a lot of us, I find sometimes that that energy flow just turns on because it's something that we all have. And sometimes I'll notice a a surge in energy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also, uh, I think it's, it's based a lot on the principles of the, the Masterson method um, Mm -hmm. because I'll do the bladder meridian release often. And, and I had the first training and I'll do some of the movements, but um, I've also taken that, like if I'm approaching a horse and I notice that as I'm getting closer, they focus on me and they might start to already exhibit some signs of release of tension. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'll, I'll pause there and, you know, wait until that wave goes through their body. And then most of the time they'll end up approaching me after that happens. Mm-hmm. And I, I do a lot um, based on kind of like the, the biomechanical principles and what I was taught in my years and years of being a dressage working student in um, some t- for some horses that I've had movement really helps them get into alignment, you know, through finding first a steady rhythm, because rhythm is so healing for us, it gets all three parts of our brain together. Mm-hmm. And it, I'm sure it does something for them, too. But I, I don't, I'm not familiar with the terms or the research. It's just what I observed. And so, you know, asking them to move in that steady rhythm, get to what we would call forward, mm-hmm. where they're in balance and alignment. And that often will help them release whatever has been stored in their body as tensions, whether it was a physical injury or some type of a mental pressure that they endured that kind of manifested in their body. So I do some lunging some riding to help all these processes go through. I kind of consider it physical therapy in a way. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, Cause, because cause as we know, the emotions manifest physically, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's kind of healing through movement and balance. Yeah. So that I really feel like that helps release 
a lot of the tensions for them also. Wonderful. I loved this conversation today and I'm so grateful that you made time for us to join us. And I feel like, you know, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to talk about emotional rehab with horses. And really what I heard from all of this is it starts with the humans. I believe that these horses that have this baggage and this tension is from the stress we humans put on them in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. So, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wind this up? Uh, just, I really appreciate having this conversation with you. I knew it was going to be fun and it, I think it got, it got a little bigger than I thought it would. So, so thank you for letting me <laughs> geek out on what I love to talk about. Oh, my pleasure. I, I like geeking out too. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Like I think, I think my challenge to the listeners right now is just, I hope, I really hope you have a new awareness, you know, around this, um, our, um, our emotional lives with horses. Like we, don't we do horses just even because of the emotional aspect for the love, the compassion, our appreciation, right? Like, would you agree? Mm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, I think almost all of us, fell in love with horses first and then found out that oh well you're supposed to ride a horse if you have it or or do this or do that but it was the something that touched our hearts that made us decide to invest all the time and energy and money <laughs> that we do in these animals exactly so yeah i hope i hope we brought a new awareness and the next time you're with your horse i hope you choose to be present and grounded and and pay attention and and see what your horse is trying to communicate to you through his or her emotions. And until next time, listeners, enjoy your horse. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Pamela. <laughs>